0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
1: You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is Taylor Damel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. This episode of Feet is also brought to you by Beach House Soaps. No matter where you live, bring a little bit of the beach to your home with Beach House's all-natural soaps. Let me tell you something about Beach House's soaps. This past week, my dog has been pissing out of her ass. I'm talking just straight diarrhea. She has one of the most sensitive tummies you'll ever come across. You can't give her anything. She can only have like her specific dog food and maybe some probiotics, but she has been... Diarrheing up if that's a word a storm and so cleaning that up is not easy and so when we have this little patio she's got to do it out on the back patio i get the i get the toilet paper i pick it up i put it in the to- in the in the toilet it's not easy it's very messy and so what do i use i use beach house's all natural soaps to clean up my hands it's wonderful stuff find them at beach your college hooper of the week this week is gabe pruitt you guys remember gabe pruitt He's an NBA champion. Don't ever get that twisted. He was a former USC point guard. Reason I'm bringing up Gabe Pruitt. Let me take you through my last Friday night. I was I had a I'd finished off maybe a sixer of some tall boy hazy IPAs. I was feeling a little loose. I was on I was on Twitter and I was reminiscing about the 2008 Boston Celtics because right now this this current version of the Celtics is a two pack of ass. One of the most in, uninspired group of, uh, of individuals I've ever seen. So I was yearning. I was longing for better days. And that's when I remember 2008. And I said, you know what? Why don't I see what Gabe Pruitt's up to? To let you in behind the curtain on my life. I'm addicted, absolutely addicted right now to DMing people to get him on the program, to get him on as guests. I am—I I have zero shame. If you if you have the little mailbox icon on Twitter, I will be DMing you. And Gabe Pruitt, sure enough, had that on there. Now, I've DMed Gabe. It's been a week. I seriously doubt he's ever going to get back to me. Probably thinks I'm a maniac, a lunatic. But Gabe Pruitt, your College Hooper of the Week, will keep you posted if he ever does respond to me. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damel And the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. We got Matthew Moore Alameda MMA on the other side. So let's open the curtains. We now welcome back our good pal and former guest, Matt Moore, Alameda, a.k.a. MMA. Let me actually start right there because we didn't ask you this the last time you were on. MMA has to be one of the sweetest nicknames acronyms for a hyphenated individual. There's not too many hyphenated individuals that I know. The only ones that really come to mind right now, we can brainstorm this is like Taylor Horton Tucker with THT. There's some others like Christian McCaffrey CMC but he's not hyphenated. Like where do you rank MMA in the pantheon of nicknames for hyphenated individuals? Ooh.
2: <laughs> I mean, I might be biased but Number one, no, I'm just um it's actually a funny story because so like obviously MMA, like UFC, all that, but uh people first started calling me that in high school, which was like kind of before UFC and all that was taken off. And then once that started happening too, it just it all came together, even sounds even better now.
3: No, I was gonna say you're way you were way ahead of the game, yeah. And it's only gotten better as you've gotten older. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful.
2: (laughs) So the high school I went to is called MKA. And we had this step team, which was, like, very good. Um, You know, they would, like, win competitions and tournaments and all that. And, like, their most famous cheer was M-K-A. Woo! And so, like, all my football teammates would always uh, copy that with MMA to me. So that worked out well, too.
1: Your name's just ripe for parody. Many asking, did, did your nickname come about? around the same time as like kimbo slice making mma fun was kimbo slice mma is i mean that's that's the same thing right i'm not yeah. a combat sport guys you can tell i mean i'm not either but um
2: yeah i feel like kimbo was around that time as well right like 2005
1: six so, yeah. yeah i mean he was he was doing backyard fights i remember that what does mka stand for what was your high school
2: uh, Montclair Kimberly Academy, yeah, it sounds re- pretty snobby. So <laughs> stick with MKA. Well,
3: it, it looks like it looks like most of the MMA stuff really started coming about in the late '90s. So you were ahead of the game, really. Yeah, yeah. I think some would ask, this is a what came first, the chicken or the egg situation." Mm-hmm. I think I think you I came think so. first before <laughs> before the fighting situation
2: came. Yeah, you know, I, no argument here
1: you just need a nickname that rolls off the tongue very easily. And I saw a tweet the other day. I was asking people, what was your AOL screen name or your aim screen name? Obviously when that was hot, I'm not, look, I'll tell you what, I don't know if we have any theater goer listeners that this isn't relevant to aim screen names, but back in the day, that's how you shot your shot with anyone that you like that's how you effectively communicated with some of your best friends so you needed a nickname really that rolled off the tongue and also numbers that worked did you incorporate MMA into your screen name at all
2: yeah so well so it's actually uh same as my twitter handle so I've kept it (laughs) but it's MMAzing uh which kind of so I'm a Mets fan people always call the Mets the amazing Mets kind of mesh those two together
0: that's Subi,
3: Subi, what is your life like? Because you just live by your nickname. You don't really have a nickname. Like your nickname is kind of your your what you're referred to as. I need some, you know, description about what that's like for life for you, like for you yeah. in life.
1: Yeah. So, screen name, the aim screen name was Subi two three two. I found the numbers really rolled off the tongue quite well. A lot of people ask me what the significance of those numbers are. Absolutely nothing. There is zero significance. It just rolls (laughs) off the tongue. Well, and going by Subi, this was born from my seventh grade basketball coach because he looked at my last name and he just decided he didn't want to pronounce it or even attempt to pronounce it. So he went with Subi. Although if you look at my last name, Subramanian and how it's spelled, it's very phonetic. I mean, you just, just got to follow along. It's just like 11 letters. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that tall of a task. I promise. But it's been good. You know, I like going by the nickname. MMA is an awesome nickname to go by. You mentioned you're a Mets fan. Life is good for you, MMA, yeah, as man. as a sports fan. I mean, the Knicks have clinched. Jim Christian's fired. BC's on the up and up. We'll get to them in a second. But talk to me about your boxers.
2: Oh, man. I mean, this is just such a refreshing season. I mean, A, just having the Knicks back, as we were talking about before i hopped on is you know it's just good for the sport of bass or for the nba um and just like the buzz, or you can feel the buzz around you know the area for sure um and then this team is really fun to watch like they play hard randall where the heck did that come from um and they got like the french prince playing well um rj who like i'm not a big rj guy but he's seems like you know, he fits well in this team. I'll say that, um, you know, playoffs, maybe it depends on who we play. If we get the Hawks, I think we could win a series. Heat bucks, heat bucks or nets, probably not. Um, but yeah, we're feeling good, feeling good in, uh, about the Knicks around here.
1: I mean, they're playing incredibly well. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, like you had mentioned, they when we uh, were talking prior to the to the show, You know, obviously, the Knicks got in at the expense—I shouldn't say at the expense of the Celtics, but they got (laughs) in because the Celtics lost. And I've been very vocal about my criticisms on the Celtics. And Sharks not here, shockingly, of course. Uh, Actually, you know, I'm not going to pile on him too much. He's in class right now. Furthering your education is is a wonderful thing. So continue to do that, Shark. But it's always good, and this kind of applies to what we were talking about and how I was supporting the Pac-12, especially UCLA when they were making their final four run. The Shark was saying to to me, he was like, why are you rooting for them? Well, I want them to do well because they are a blue blood program that I think makes the sport better and makes the viewers love it even more. Knicks are the exact same way. Obviously yeah. they're supposed to be rivals with the Celtics, but when the gardens hop in, and hopefully we can get some more people into the garden come playoff time, it's just a different, it's better than, it's better than some useless fucking team getting into the playoffs that nobody really cares about historically.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm sure it's a lot easier for you to root for uh, UCLA and the Knicks since, you know, they're both underdogs at the moment and not, you know, <laughs> top teams in the league type thing. But uh Yeah. I respect that feeling can't who, ever return it to the Celtics, but <laughs>
3: <laughs> who would have thought four months ago, if we had this discussion, if we took, I'm a heat fan, Suby's obviously Celtics fan and you're a Knicks fan that the re- order is probably completely reverse of how we would have. I mean, the, the Knicks and the heat are tied right now, yeah, in right. standings, but who would have thought that in reality, it'll, it could very much go Knicks, heat Celtics. I, I think know. most people would have predicted it to be the opposite of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, a month ago when the Knicks were, you know, clearly, like, you know, everyone thought they were doing well. I still had just been happy with the eight seed, you know, getting the playing game. So uh, these last couple of weeks have been good.
1: Let's talk Obi Toppin for a second. Does he stink? That's what that's the major <laughs> question people are asking. We have a big Dayton following. Yeah. Okay. We've had a few Dayton people on the program, and I feel like Obi Toppin's rookie campaign has kind of been hidden. By the fact that the Knicks are good, RJ Baird's come into his own and Julius Randle's having an MVP campaign. But you're a true diehard Knicks fan. I'm sure people are peeling back the onions. What's the what's the diagnosis on Toppin? Um,
2: you know, I didn't love the pick when they made it. Um, but I I don't want to like write him off completely. I think he can, you know, in a couple years be a good role player. I'm not sure he'll ever be like a star or a top three guy on a team or anything like that. But you know, it's just with his size and the position he plays, and he's you know a little bit slower than like your some of these like super athletic six nine, six ten wings you got in the NBA. Um, you know, he'll always struggle defensively. I think he will be able to develop a little more offensively and just feel more comfortable. And he did miss about a month or so. Um you know so I think in Two three years he could be a good bench player. Was that worth the eighth pick or whatever we took him at? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know, NBA drafts always a little bit of a crapshoot, but um, you know, so I'm I'm okay with Obi. I'll say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely jumping down his throat way too early. It is just his rookie campaign, but it's interesting, right? I'm sure some Knicks fans are saying to themselves, "Well, we're this good because of the development of RJ and obviously Julius." what if we had taken someone who could have immediately contributed how much better would we be and i'm looking at the draft right now you nailed it he was number eight yeah. i'm looking at some of the players after him so tyrese halliburton that's, probably the one that's guy actually that the guy with. that that's
2: who i wanted um halliburton yeah and which like i mean not even obviously like hindsight 2020 but like at the time that's who i wanted if he fell to us um but i mean i guess they were you know they didn't want to bring in another guard maybe but yeah i think haliburton would have been better um but hey at least we didn't pass on lamelo like some of the other teams <laughs> golden state you know
1: yeah i th- golden state might might be in into the squarely into the playoffs without yeah. the uh without the playing tournament I know, so M- 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 I,
3: i'm glad that you uh brought up tyrese haliburton because on draft night i got shit on on this program or via twitter by a certain someone who's not here <laughs> when i said the suns passed up a huge uh you know i thought they made a huge mistake in passing of tyrese halliburton for jalen smith who's literally played like what one fucking minute in the nba this year? <laughs> and yeah. and the shark was like no he's gonna be a top five player in this draft when it's all said and done and Dude he hasn't even started G League games, let alone fucking NBA games. Obviously, the Suns have been very good this year, but I thought Tyrese Halliburton, who is, I mean, where are we? Where are we putting him on the ranking of rookies this year? Top ten, probably at least. A minimum. I think he
2: might be top five. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, early in the year, it was kind of he was one of the rookie of the year candidates. I feel like he's the first like, month he was yeah. easily the best, yeah, rookie, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. easily the best rookie the first month. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to bring that up about about Tyrese Halliburton. So it's here on record uh, again.
2: Yeah. I mean, that sounds, uh, very like the shark to die on the wrong hill. He,
1: he just seems to be a Maryland guy. He loves Mark Turgeon. He, he loves the, the Terps as a program. They got hot in January of Jan, uh, 2020 at some point. And he was like, look out for this team. Jalen Smith, obviously, he was tooting his home for, horn for. But, uh, yeah, I remember you know, Tyrese Halliburton was an interesting prospect coming out of Iowa State. And Steve Prom, no longer there with the Cyclones. TJ Otzelberger is, is the head coach now. And if we go back, harken back to my, uh, my nickname, THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, another Iowa State Cyclone. Prom got some good guys there. They just, he never was really able to put it together, right? So THT has been a contributor. He already has a ring under his belt. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, one of the better rookies this year. It's interesting because Halliburton didn't really see much run in Iowa State because he was injured and they had a miserable season in his lone season there. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it was, it, it could have been a little difficult to handicap, but he was an interesting prospect coming out if I recall.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember, I can't, like, they were playing in some preseason tournament, um, like Bahamas maybe, and people were talking about him then as, you know, an interesting NBA prospect, probably be, you know, a better NBA player than college player. And that was before all the injuries and all that. Um, You know, so he always had the size. Um, I do think it's an interesting sort of topic of, you know, in, in the NBA draft, do you avoid taking a guy because that position is not necessarily a need for your team, but, you know, or do you just take the best player available?
0: Uh,
3: Oh, I was going to say Tyrese Halliburton, well, he he played two years at Iowa state, but he started for one, but I mean, he averaged 15, six and seven on 50% shooting and 42% from three and 90% from the free throw line. The only thing interesting about that, it was really fucking good. So I don't know where the debate was on if he was going to be good or not. Cause the previous year he shot 43% from three and
2: 50% from the field.
3: So it wasn't like this unreal, like, Oh, he's kind of a project player. Like,
2: yeah did he, he have what, like a wonky shot or something yeah like it's kind of like yeah. uh yeah it's kind of like a, like oh, a sh- weird release like a double clutch release or something
3: why, why can't i think of his name uh not are
1: also toothpicks. i feel like yeah. what kevin martin
3: yes thank you kevin martin yeah yeah thank you see i didn't even need to describe it and you already knew what i was talking about
1: so well Ke- kevin martin former king as well
3: yeah of course there former king great like every player in the nba former king
2: Maybe Kings just, yeah. uh, they don't care about form.
3: <laughs> no, no, they don't. But, uh, here's
1: the, MMA. Here's the thing, man. We have a buddy who's a huge Kings fan. And whenever a player sort of breaks out, it becomes great. Let's take Hassan Whiteside, Whiteside for whatever, <laughs> the two or three years that he got his huge deal from Miami because he played so well uh, in that short amount of time. There's always players like that who come out of nowhere and you're like, oh, where did this guy come from? And our friend will always say, that's a former King at one point they were in a kings uniform and it always seems to happen yeah the kings well, just give up on these guys too early <laughs> i feel like
2: uh kings fans are definitely super prideful about their team since it's like the only sacramento team or yeah in any sport uh i have a buddy who's a blazers fan who you know portland's only team is the blazers so it's uh type of same type of you know take extreme pride in that one team and will never shut up about it
3: well, and you put plus you don't just find random Kings fans like nobody yeah. randomly. Well, <laughs> Shane Madden, our buddy from college actually is a random Kings fan. Okay. That's the only one okay. in the whole country, though. Nobody yeah, else just is like, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and root for the Kings, at least with the Blazers. They went to the finals in the 90s. Right. They've got Dame now. You could be like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Blazers fan. But you don't yeah. randomly are just like, God, you know who I like? Jaren Fox is my favorite player in the NBA. You never heard a single... I love him, but you never heard a single person ever say that
2: before. No. Yeah, like nobody dislikes him, but he's fine.
1: <laughs> well, it should also be noted that our buddy Shane Madden that you mentioned, he's part Eskimo. He's from Nome, Alaska. I'm telling you the, the length of obscurity that you really need to go <laughs> in order to be like, the Kings are my NBA team. You got to be basically, you got to be part Eskimo.
3: If I'm from the middle of nowhere, Fairbanks, Alaska, Shane's even further outside the middle of nowhere than that. That's how in the middle of nowhere he is.
1: Yeah, it's very true. MMA, let's dive in now to some college basketball. Okay, so this offseason, or actually it was during the season, if I recall, Jim Christian finally fired. There's a lot of events in life where you recant and you say to yourself, I was here when this happened. I know exactly what I was wearing. I know who I was with. I know the exact coordinates on this earth that I was at. Is this, is this one of those moments or was this one of these moments where you were like, thank the heavens, Jim Christian's gone.
2: Um, it was definitely a thank the heavens he's gone. I can't tell you where I was. I mean, I'm going to say I was probably at home since, you know, we've been in quarantine or whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, it it was uh, probably, I mean, at least a year overdue, maybe longer. And, you know, I don't think anyone even liked the hire when it happened to begin with. Um, so, yeah, it was. it's definitely... A big step in the right direction for for the Eagles.
1: I mean, it was huge. I I just remember the shark wouldn't stop complaining, talking about how mm-hmm. the ship was just going down, and he just had a terrible record. And you kept putting faith in, in him. Yeah, I, I mean,
2: he had a terrible record, and it just like there weren't any positive signs. Like you know, I can live with a coach that has a bad record, but he's you see some improvement throughout the season, or you know, he's adjusting in games well, or like, you know, the system is attractive basketball or anything. And there's none of that. It was bad basketball. You know, we weren't ever competitive against any good teams. Um, and there was just no, there was no improvement. There was, it almost seemed like, especially this last season, we actually started out well and then the wheels all fell off, you know? So add all those together and, I think it was a well-deserved firing.
3: Here's how many people care about Jim Christian at Boston college basketball though. Here's the problem. Okay. <laughs> you search Boston college basketball right now on Google and you know how it pulls up the little info page on the right of your Google right. search. It still says head coach, Jim Christian.
2: <laughs> Does it Apparently really?
3: nobody, nobody's taking the time to update that, I guess at this point.
2: man, <laughs> That's pretty embarrassing. Well, at least, uh, our new guy, Earl Grant, his t- position is updated on his Wikipedia, so
1: there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Earl here in a second. I want to continue to wax poetic and, and dump on Jim Christian because, look, it's nice when you're finally liberated from someone who seems to have like completely kidnapped you and captured and ruined your program, which was once a mighty and fine program back in the Big mm-hmm. East days and the Troy Bell days and the Al Skinner days. What is it going to take for you guys do you think to sort of climb that northeast ladder because and when i say northeast i'm not talking about the pencil, the state of pennsylvania because villanova if you want to count them they have the entire country unlocked that's the gold standard of college basketball when i think northeastern basketball i really more so think your syracuse your your connecticut hell we can even limit it just to new england what's it going to take do you think for bc and earl grant to turn this ship around and get you back to the tyrese rice craig smith uh al skinner jared dudley type days
2: yeah i mean you know all those teams you mentioned syracuse yukon i mean even nova even providence like right now bc is way behind all those teams um and you know most well at least yukon and syracuse are bigger schools bigger budgets all that um but we shouldn't necessarily be where we are. Um, you know, if you go back to the glory days of Al Skinner that you were mentioning, you know, he always did a really good job of recruiting guys that fit his system and sort of like your undervalued type guys, which where BC is a program is as a program right now, like you know, we're not getting any five-star recruits or anything like that. Um, so I think the what really we need to focus on is finding those diamonds in the rough, whether, you know, now it's a new era. The transfer portal is a good place to find those guys. Um, And you've seen BC bring in a few transfers. Um, You know, I slowly building from there, maybe a couple good seasons, and then we can start getting those, you know, bigger um, recruits that are, especially because in the Boston area and new England area in general, you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, bigger five-star guys that necessarily weren't seeing like five, 10 years ago.
1: BC used to have quite a pipeline on the West coast as well. Yeah, Dudley's from San Diego mm-hmm. and right, I'm talking yeah. California. Yeah. Craig Smith's from California. Is um, it? Yeah. I think he's LA. I want to say. So, I'm telling you, man, you're going to Tahoe for a bachelor party. I think you might need to start laying down roots and recreating that pipeline for BC as well.
2: We'll see. I'm not sure what uh, the Tahoe high school basketball scene's like, but uh, (laughs) no. um, Yeah. I mean, I know I did mention the Northeast, but you're right. Like in this era, especially with, you know, I mean, games are available to everyone nationwide, Twitter, all that. Like people can communicate cross country very easily. There's no reason we have to confine ourselves to only, you know, Northeast recruits. Um, I think we just got to try to keep finding these diamond in the rough type guys that are fit the system, bit overlooked and, you know, guys that are willing to play, you know, with passion. I'll say that. Cause we've been missing that recently too.
1: That makes sense. It makes sense. Um, can you compare and or contrast the Donahue versus Christian era? Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, so, like, the Donahue era, that was right after his um, Cornell – was. they made the Sweet 16, was it, right? yeah, yeah. So, you know, there was a lot Correct. of optimism. And actually, you know, and looking back on it, like, Skinner was – he had, like, two down years, and then everyone kind of piled on. I think people were just – didn't love the flex offense and so he was definitely fired prematurely um and you know looking back i'm sure everyone in the athletic department has huge regrets about that um but when donahue was brought in um you know yeah there was a lot of optimism we thought we'd be going places maybe start shooting better start playing some more offensive basketball because that was the thing you know i mentioned skinner ran the flex and it was always like take 20 seconds off the shot clock and then Feed Craig Smith or Dudley in the low post, which worked great, but you know, not that exciting. Um, and then you know, Donahue, I think his first year we were did okay, but then you know, he didn't recruit anyone like the guys we, I think we brought in some like two and three star guys with this you know, new hotshot coach. Um, so it just I don't know. It was just like a huge buzzkill once we realized, oh man, this guy is actually terrible. Like <laughs> we're going nowhere. And then um, after that Christian, when he got hired, it was more like, what, what is this hire? Like he's did okay at Ohio, but didn't really do anything. Um, I think it was more just, everyone was like, oh, we know we're going to be terrible for the next, as long as he's coach. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, he didn't even make a tournament at Ohio. Yeah. He only I made think, a tournament at Kent State before that,
2: right? And I forget what his. Con- I don't even I think, think he, he went to the assistant. NIT. I think he went to the NIT.
3: I think he went to the NIT the year, two years before I got hired. I don't even think he went to the NIT the last year that he was at Ohio. Yeah,
2: it was no, it was uh, definitely one of those hires that made you shake your head and just, yeah. Like I said before, we you were just knew the team was not going anywhere with him.
1: So if, if you were to right here on titch, say, which era was worse, Donahue or Christian, which would you say? Who wears that like scarlet letter? Mm. Scarlet's also in your colors. I'd like some credit for <laughs> there you go. There putting you go. those two together. That's a good,
2: yeah. Um, Yeah, probably the Christian hire was worse. Cause at least like with Donahue, the process wasn't that bad, you know, like he had success. Um I think where Donahue failed was that, you know, he was only recruiting Ivy League guys and playing in the Ivy League, and you know, couldn't step up. But sometimes you don't know that someone can't make the next step until you give them the chance. Whereas Christian hadn't even succeeded at the level he was at, you know. So I'd say that's actually a great, yeah.
1: No, that's a great point with Donahue as well. Donahue, if you look at him, is a Ivy League guy, undoubtedly. Through and through, right? He had success at Cornell. I think he's in the Ivy League now. Where's he at? Is he at Yale or something? Is he a pen? Does anyone know? I think that's why we need a producer. But he might be. Is he a pen? Okay, yeah, he's probably a pen. He's just an Ivy League guy, right? Yeah, like he just looks like like an Ivy League coach. So you know, he tried it out at the ACC, and he was like, you know what? I'm I'm in way over my head. Let me just recruit my Ivy League guys. Uh, perform probably outperform where you know these performance metrics don't really matter but if we move on now to the earl grant era just give me your initial thoughts on on the higher it's because again to be honest with you that was kind of out of left field a lot of people were giving the shark shit for that <laughs> what are your thoughts on earl grant um
2: i would say my thoughts are right now i'm cautiously optimistic is where i'd put myself um yeah like you said it was also kind of out of left field um i will say he's actually had some success um you know at charleston uh so they i'm not sure which year it was but i i think in his second or third year they switched from like the southern conference to the caa which is a nice step up and they have been competitive in that conference i think they you know always had a winning record type thing um so at least you know going back to the Donahue thing that does show he can step up and continue to build a program. I know, you know, obviously we, most people would want someone who's been in the tournament, like someone that's, uh, you know, even if it's a mid-major guy, like a Wofford type coach or, you know, some Davidson, a name that people have heard a lot. Um, so I get that maybe people aren't as, or I, why well, people were giving the shark some crap for that. Um, But yeah, I'm a little more optimistic about uh, Grant than um, Christian for sure. So what
3: does Grant need to do differently from the previous two guys? Is it pretty much just recruiting, like you've kind of alluded to a couple times? Or is there some other stuff that he can do to kind of create some more excitement? Well, win, obviously. (laughs) But I mean, like, kind of like, you know, some behind the scenes or interactions or just like, what can he do to drive any hype other than maybe some better recruiting, which hopefully will turn into new wins, like a style maybe of play or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I mean obviously definitely you know you got to bring in good players um which and we've brought in a few transfers um that i mean i can't say i've seen too much of these guys but you know they they've got they seem to be promising transfers i guess um i think he you know one thing christian did not do at all was excite the fan base like you know, I mean, not even just on the court, but like off the court, there was no like brand building, if you will, or anything like that. Um, which, you know, even if (laughs) that, even if, uh, that can be like a little fake at times, it still just buys you a little goodwill with the fans, I guess. And, um, yeah. And then also just, you know, with a new coach, you want to see the guys are playing hard. I mean, obviously an exciting style would be nice, but winning is nicer um but yeah i just want to see i guess in his first year i would just like to see improvement from last year really um just that alone would show me that he's at a bare minimum
1: competent exciting times at the heights jeff halfley has finished up his first year right new bc football coach you got a new coach with earl grant so it's always nice i mean you never want to be in that position you'd obviously rather be in a position where your football coach and your basketball coach are long tenured and there's some stability but it is very exciting as well and so we'll get back to this upcoming season here with earl but i want to talk about him specifically now we've kind of shit on you for uh the wikipedia search i'm going to do one more wikipedia search for you You can do it now you can do it post recording whatever you want to do but when you type in earl grant into wikipedia the first article that comes up or into google excuse me when you type in earl grant into google the top link that shows up is actually a pianist not the (laughs) boston college men's basketball head coach how do we turn that around how do we get earl grant the basketball coach as a more relevant search than uh some what looks to be a jazz pianist
2: well i mean maybe you're just not up on your jazz, but Earl Grant, the pianist is one of the most famous people in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, like, like what I was just saying, you know, generating some excitement, maybe a nice, like early upset. That would be nice. Um, just to get the program going and continuing to, uh, to, I mean, if he's going to keep bringing in these, Transfers, I'd be uh promising as well.
3: I mean, is there not a BC alum that can update the fucking Wikipedia
2: pages or something? Like, come on, you can't even watch that the NFL. A little surprising, because you like, can't even
3: watch the NFL draft without like the 268th pick, and you go to his Wikipedia page, and someone has already updated that he was the 268th pick in the
2: draft. Yeah, that's surprising too, because like, I mean, I know there are some BC guys that are like extremely active on Twitter, on like you know super fan type pages. Um, so, yeah, that is very shocking.
3: <laughs> or maybe someone like, at least like for some Google AdWords situation, at least get yeah, Earl I Grant, the coach up above Earl Grant, the the pianist. Come on. Maybe you should look into that. Hop on the message boards and start like a little movement. Maybe, you know, be the change you want to see in the... I
2: mean, maybe, hey, can I just change that myself? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe just go to
2: take five minutes. Let's do it after this.
1: Well, so I think the page itself. Well, and here's a, another question that I'll get into in just a second. But that's that's another thing added to your plate. MMA recruiting out on the West Coast. Do some hit the trail uh, if you have time during that bachelor party in Tahoe, and then maybe you know get the likes of John Shombie, get the likes of Amy Polar into the get the BC <laughs> alums to really talk up this this Earl Grant character. But uh, you know, I, it's it, like I said, it's a very it's a new it's a new guy, it's a new Don – Uh, but you know, have we talked about potentially, and I'm just spitballing here. This is a good forum. We can open up the brains if we want. We've already talked about your nickname and other nicknames in general. What about Earl Grant, the pianist, John Rothstein (laughs) has all these nicknames. He has these labels. Now, I don't know if that's going to evoke some very sad memories of the 2004, I believe performance delivered by Adrian Brody and the pianist for which he won best actor, but what do you think about the pianist for Earl Grant?
2: I actually like that a lot. Um, you know, he, pianist could be like the nice, calming presence, but super talented. You got to work hard to perfect your craft. Yeah, I like it. It can cover different genres. I like it.
3: All right. I mean, that's still well below like MMA, I think. The EG doesn't really work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't
2: know. Does he have a middle name?
3: <laughs> the Earl of. Yeah, I mean Forever. you can't go with
2: like <laughs> Earl the Pearl, that's already taken. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the pianist. I might start that.
1: <laughs> Good. Yeah, let's start a grassroots movement. Maybe we can get Rothstein to pick it up. After a couple wins, I think he's got. I think he got to earn Rothstein's goodwill. Get a couple wins in there, and then yeah. maybe if you have like you had mentioned, very calming, uh, symphony esque type of basketball play. Then the pianist it is. Yeah, um uh, we'll so Earl Grant, did you know also Earl Grant's like the most South Carolina person of all time? Um just like from his like coaching history or this guy. Yes, oh my god. So he is like Mr. South Carolina. This guy is up there with Thomas Ravenel, anyone from Southern Charm, this guy, like Lindsey Graham, this guy is South Carolina. Let me tell you why, okay? So he started his coaching career at the Citadel, and then he went to Winthrop, which is in Rock Hill, South Carolina, I believe. Spent three years at Wichita State, whatever. Came back to Clemson, and then he was head coach at College of Charleston. Now, when you think South Carolina, you don't think that there are that many schools, really, I guess, that many basketball schools. Maybe I'm completely removed from the South. But that pretty much hits every major school that, and it's not like we haven't heard of these schools, right? Citadel, Winthrop, COFC, Clemson. All he's missing really is Columbia and the Gamecocks. Am I right? Yeah. Um, No, and I
2: will say, like, that is definitely a valid concern that some people have had that, you know, he's only coached in South Carolina. How's he going to translate, you know, moving up to the Northeast? don't have the same recruiting pipeline type thing, Um which, you know, it's valid, but at the same time, plenty of other guys have done that, like taking a job in a part of the country they've never lived in and done just fine. So he wouldn't be the first to be able to make that move.
3: You know, he did go to school in Georgia for two years though, oh, or maybe so <laughs> completely different, way different part of the country than the border state of south carolina don't
2: forget those three years in uh wichita you know the uh the sacred ground of college basketball hopefully
3: hopefully he didn't pick up too many traits from uh, greg marshall
1: while he was there
2: (laughs) no hopefully just the the good ones the coaching ones
1: (laughs) oh that's true yeah well some some would argue that whatever traits we're referring to in Greg Marshall's coaching traits kind of bled together, but he's all like grants also was born in Charleston. I mean, this guy is so South Carolina. It hurts. I'm actually shocked. He made the move to the Northeast. I mean, he, this is clearly a step up from all of the places that he's been coaching at, even in conference, even if he was offered you know, a job at Clemson, I would argue that. BC and Clemson. Don't get me started on Brad Brownell. I don't know how that guy still has a job Mediocrity. mediocrity. He he owes his coaching longevity to Dabo Swinney because nobody cares (laughs) about Clemson's basketball's ineptitude as long as Dabo's going to the playoff every single year. But I mean, I do think BC is a better job than Clemson, but it's, it's kind of crazy. The, if you really think about it, it's almost like a, a recruit, right? You spend so much time in one state and then you go pretty much to the polar opposite. I guess, BC might have that spell on some people because like we had mentioned, they did that with California recruits coming all the way across Mm -hmm. the country.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess just in general, like BC students tend to come from all over. Um, I mean, obviously you're going to get a lot from the Northeast, but you know, there are people from California, Oregon, Washington, Florida, Texas Um, and football. We've always recruited uh, Florida pretty well. So you know, it's not unheard of for kids from wherever, even, you know, from warm weather States to want to come up to Boston, you know, it's a nice town. It's good. uh, Nice campus, all that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not going to be the easiest thing, but I don't see why he can't make that transition.
3: So BC, I think definitely, and I hate to give Boston, this much credit, but BC definitely uh, benefits from having Boston in the name of the school. I for think, sure. I th- sure. I, and I think that just that alone sometimes makes it seem like it's a more successful program than it is. If we want to give uh, Dabo credit for holding up the Clemson basketball program, we might as well give the Celtics, the Patriots, the Bruins, and the you know everyone else in there for helping hold up any of the of the other athletics happening in the Boston area.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's probably totally fair. Um, yeah, it's been like, since I was in college, which is like almost 10 years ago to, uh, when we were actually like good at both basketball and football. Um, so, which is way too long.
1: Well, at least football, you can hang your hat on some really good pros. Pathias, yeah. Kiwanuka, no, we've always had, Luke had that. Yeah. going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's pretty sweet, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, I and I do think Halfley's a good. Where, where did he come from? He was. Halfley Ohio came State. from a good school, Ohio State. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I mean, and he's so,
2: you know, I will say like one worry with Halfley that if Grant's successful, could happen to him is that you know since he came from Ohio State, he could almost be like too good for BC type thing, Um, but. If he's only here for three, four years, I'll enjoy those three, four years, you know. Um, and S- if if the same happens to Grant, I will be ecstatic.
3: Subi, did you skip over Matt Ryan in term in, <laughs> when, in when listing BC football alums? By the way,
2: he did. He did. I mean, yes. I mean, right, I mean you I
3: were good. with Matthias Kiwanuka, and yeah, you skipped over to Matt Ryan. Fair,
2: to be fair, we're known for our linemen and linebackers, so. I get it. That's where your head was.
1: <laughs> Anthony Costanzo. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm trying to give love to the grunts. What do you, you know, cause, cause when you uh, think about BC, quarterbacks, Robbie, let me tell like you BJ something Robbie. The first name that comes to mind for me. Yeah. No BJ, hey, BJ Raji. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but the first name that comes to mind for me is like Dave Shinsky, who was like 28 years old when he was at BC <laughs> oh as, as God. the quarterback. You remember him? Of that guy was a I, Heisman or er, yeah. a Van Wilder house guy
2: um dave shinsky yeah so like you said he for people that don't know he was a minor league baseball player for until he was like 25 then came to bc started like five games his first year was horrendous um thought he was the next uh drew hansen and uh i mean i don't even know what happened to him academically after that but that was i think my sophomore year and he was always at the bars, like senior year. It was really weird where it's like, oh, there's this 30 year old, like hanging out with all his college kids. Like, I don't even know who he was friends with or anything like that. Or he was just like always at the local bar. Um, But yeah, so he's a, he's a BC legend, probably not in
1: the best way. Well, speaking of bars, I saw uh, Mary Ann's got closed down. Was yeah. that was that COVID related? Did you hear about that? Pour one out for Mary Ann's. No, no, that's It was, that's it, was yeah. it was
2: before COVID, or maybe I'm actually not sure exactly when it happened. But um, they they changed ownership like two or three years ago. So and then after that, it kind of started going downhill. Um, I thought it was before COVID, but I could be wrong. But yeah, no, definitely pour one out for Mary Uh, I mean that place is been around so my parents went to bc and they used to talk about how like marianne's was the best bar back in the 70s uh so it's had a nice nice long run
3: hold on one second i i i feel bad for marianne's i'm sure the place was wonderful Um, it was
2: terrible but it was awesome
3: (laughs) how's matt ryan's number not retired at bc is it not no <laughs> like, apparently the, the alumni are just like I, just
2: waiting for him to you know he's busy every weekend we can't have a matt ryan weekend if he's, <laughs> while he's in the nfl like
3: yeah all he did um, was win nfl mvp he's not really that big of an alumni let's yeah. not even well, retire or anything
2: yeah i mean when i was there um they just built a flutie statue of like his hail mary and then, even that was like it's like 30 years after it happened you know <laughs> or whatever maybe not that long but Long after it happened,
3: but Ke Keekley's isn't retired either. They must just be waiting for like yeah. there must just be like a 30 year rule we have yeah. here
2: because we do have retired jerseys. Like, and yeah. I remember being like half the guys I had never heard of, but it's, you know, like some random lineman from the 60s or whatever.
3: It's Flutie and Mike Ruth are the, oh, that's it, <laughs> are the two uh retired numbers.
2: Oh, okay, maybe it's just the numbers. They had like a ring of honor, yeah, type yeah, thing so.
3: I'm just saying, if you're going to retire, probably one or two dudes from it would be Flutie and probably Matt Ryan, I yeah. would guess. But again, that's just me. You know, I'm not, I'm not in, embedded in the community like you are. Right. So. I'll get,
2: I'll get on that right after I do the Wikipedia. We've
3: given you a lot of, of homework projects here. Today. Yeah,
1: <laughs> gotta write these down. Yeah. Oh, take, take notes on it. You know, they need to also, since we're on it, they need to retire Tyrese Rice's number simply for the performance he put on in the first half against North Carolina and Conte Forum. Oh, I remember that scintillating performance. They The wheels just completely fell off in the second half and you ran out of breath. But I, didn't Tyrese score like 30-some-odd points in the first half against that Roy Williams team?
2: Yeah, and I think, wasn't he like, he was something absurd from three, like, nine of 10 or something you know like seven of eight or something um no Tyrese Rice was like one of the ultimate heat check players like and then also the wheels could totally fall off too but um no he was he was really fun to watch I mean it was a little uh jr Smith-esque where it's like he's either super hot or not but um yeah I mean when he was balling it was no one could stop him and you know he was letting his swag drip out and all that and uh yeah, he was he was great to watch. I mean, he was – we've obviously had NBA players since then, but he was our – well, I guess Reggie, but even still, he was like our last true star player. Like Reggie Jackson was – he was really athletic and like super impressive to watch, but he was still a little inconsistent um, and never really like led the team to a victory or anything just because he wasn't that polished yet. Um, So, yeah. Tyrese was really our last like, <laughs> go-to guy, I guess you could say.
3: He had thirty-four in, in the first half of that game, yeah. forty-six yeah. overall. You're talking about <laughs> Euro Cup MVP, Euro League Finals MVP, Tyrese I think, Rice.
2: you not see he's a uh, like playing for like the Serbian or some Eastern European country's national team now? Like, I think he got a dual citizenship or something like
3: that. He's played for like damn near 15 euro league teams it seems like here but at least he has he's a lithuanian all-star a german all-star an israeli all-star a euro cup all-star a fiba champions league all-star and a euro league all-star so he's made his rounds but at all-star at all of those locations
2: yeah i mean you know he was just always too
1: small to make the nba um Although I guess let me let me ask you, MMA, let me ask you guys something. Who the hell do you think you are? Snubbing Matt Ryan, Tyrese, Allst- or Tyrese Rice's accolades just got read out loud. Keekly. I told you about Kiwanuka. I'm not backing down on Kiwanuka. Anthony Costanzo. What? Show just a shred of respect for your legends, please.
2: Yeah, I know. We, uh <laughs> I don't know. The, the BC, I mean, you know, this is always like a slight against BC fans that, we get that we're not like the best fans, you know, we're not like some state school. We're no Arizona um, type or like, you know, Penn state, whatever you want to say, that's super enthusiastic. It's that is the one thing you get in the city where it's like, you'll get a bit of that. uh, You know, people will come out to watch the team when it's good, but there's not like that. uh, Constant enthusiasm from non-alumni
3: i was gonna say can i take this back to uh to the mets for a second just because we're talking about just like disgraceful performances by everybody except for the the good guy uh are the mets gonna score more than one run a game when jacob degrom pitches at at some point this year
2: um no unless he's (laughs) unless he's driving them in unless he's driving them in (laughs) yeah that's like honestly insane i think he has like his career he has like a losing record or 500 record and like a two point something era it's absurd
3: well he has a 0.68 era this year and he's has a three and two record
2: yeah (laughs) he's giving up he's giving up
3: half a run a game and has lost twice
2: yeah and i think in two of those starts he's driven in a run
1: well i'm telling you the most impressive part about all of those performances isn't his era it's that he hasn't completely lost it in the press room or uh Um, in the locker room or anything like that he has every right to start smashing gatorade bottles and things like that if i were him
2: yeah well that's so uh was it lindor and mcneil allegedly got into a fight uh a week ago and everyone was saying the joke was all like wow degrom must have some restraint he should be the one fighting his teammates type thing
1: that That was was, another hilarious storyline though
2: i know (laughs) but you know since then rat yeah i know that was a rat or raccoon i i thought it was funny when i heard his like like obviously he's not going to tell the media what happened and then some people got like really upset they were like how dare he like lie to us like we know something happens like you're not going to know why the fight happened everyone knows a fight happened you know let's just let it go like there's been if first of all you couldn't even see the fight like the cameras caught teammates running into the because it was in the tunnel in the dugout so the cameras caught a couple other guys like sprinting down there if that didn't happen would we have even heard about it probably not you know but hey it seems to have turned the team around seven in a row
1: that's huge yeah Yeah. and again speaking of another team that is any new york team it's best when they are relevant except for the nets nobody really cares about the brooklyn nets but (laughs) if we're talking you know, Mets, Yankees, Giants, Jets, Knicks. That's when things are, are, are shit. Even the, even the New Jersey Devils, like Rangers, yeah. Islanders. I'll give those guys. The Rangers are yeah, in the cup, like
2: against the Kings. Everyone was into that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we're the best fans. We have the most fun. No. <laughs> but uh, uh, I
1: mean, talking. I get it. I
3: get it. I'm glad you brought the Nets up. Cause now I know this is a college basketball podcast where we're talking about baseball and the NBA and, and football so far. Uh, but does anyone give a shit if they like do anything? I mean, does anyone like the Brooklyn Nets from even at home or afar?
2: I don't like I knew. So like growing up, I knew people that were like diehard New Jersey Nets fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, back at like the Jason kid Kmart, oh, of days, course, which great team. um, I think some of those, you know, people are obviously still fans, but like yeah, I you don't hear like honestly, when you see people walking around with like a Nets hat, it's more for like street wear than like supporting the team. <laughs> more that's just like a cool looking hat or whatever. Um, I'm sure the NBA wants them to do well for, you know, ratings nationally. Like there's probably more KD fans nationally than Brooklyn Nets fans.
3: Oh that's true. That's such an overrated thing I think when it comes to like media and uh fanhood and stuff like that cuz the Brooklyn Nets are in are a huge large market team, right? Right. And so people go there to be a part of a big market team. But nobody gives a shit about the Brooklyn. Like I I just think that's funny because they're probably the largest team with the lo- with the smallest following, you know, if you somehow mesh those two together, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the Milwaukee
3: Bucks are more popular nationally than the Brooklyn Nets are.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like uh, the only other team that popped into my head is like the LA Chargers type thing where it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually that's that, really good. That's yeah, a good yeah, where yeah. they had like, and like, you know, San Diego, New Jersey, they had those like, and San Diego is obviously bigger than New Jersey Net fans. I'm not trying to say anything bad. No, I get, no I get what you're saying though, right? But yeah, it's like a small, you know, super supportive fan base. And then they move to this big city where they can make, tons of money off of luxury suites and all that. But uh, yeah, they don't really get like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anyone who's a net season ticket holder let me put it that way.
1: Yeah. I think that's a fantastic comparison, actually. Hey, Matt, we're going to get you out of here on this and actually bas- basketball college basketball related question. I should say, I did enjoy pivoting though. Talking <laughs> Mets, talking NBA. We started the, the pro- podcast off with, with Nick's talks. If you can't, already tell we are just dying thirsting for any college basketball news but the reason maybe here this is my hypothesis the reason why people may not be able to see just a general online search that earl grant is the bc head coach is because on bc's website it states that earl grant is the clement and is elizabeth izzy family heads head men's basketball coach let me repeat that because i completely butchered it the clement and Elizabeth Izzy family head men's basketball coach. He's not the BC head men's basketball coach. He's not Boston College's basketball coach. He's not the head coach of the guy who who runs Conti Forum. None of that. Do you know who Clement and Elizabeth Izzy are? Uh,
2: no idea, but I'm sure they paid a lot of money to get their names on that <laughs> uh, title.
1: That's exactly right. So here, let me let me read this here. Boston College, this was back in 2014, actually, when Christian was still there. That's insane that he lasted this long, actually, 2014. BC has received a gift from alumni and Boston College trustee Karen Izzy Bristing and her husband Steve Bristing to endow its head men's basketball coaching position held by Jim Christian, the largest donation ever made to the men's basketball program. The gift honors Karen's parents, Clement and Elizabeth Izzy. In particular, the Bristings say it was Mr. Izzy's love and enjoyment Of basketball that inspired them to make this commitment that's a hell of a commitment being able to just slap your name on on the head men's basketball coach i expect to see that on like the espn ticker on on (laughs) like basketball reference it's not the bc head coach it's you know the what is it here it is the clement and elizabeth izzy family head men's basketball coach all right
2: yeah no i mean you would hope like I'm assuming with the amount of money that I'm assuming they had to pay, you better hope that uh, your name's getting repeated every time they show them. This, uh, guy, must yeah, have, so, sorry.
3: this guy must have loved basketball, the sport of basketball. Yeah. If you donated that much money to BC basketball of all places during the Jim Christian era, no less, this guy must have just loved basketball.
2: I would love to know what they did with that money because I don't think I've heard of any facility upgrades or anything like that. Uh, so, <laughs> well, they, they probably had to this. change.
3: They had to change all the signage because it has like a four hundred letter yeah, they, name that yeah, goes that, behind it. Now that's probably all it paid for.
2: Yeah, and that's you know hundreds of thousands of dollars right there.
1: <laughs> I found that incredible. I think that's just a hilarious nugget. Maybe that's what that what Earl Grant found so appealing is like, look, there's less pressure if I'm the head coach as Clement and Elizabeth Izzy family head men's basketball coach, not the BC coach, not the Eagles coach. This is who I am. This is my job title. He's got to put that on his resume moving forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, no, it's, that's going to look real good on the resume.
1: (laughs) Well, Hey Matt, thanks again for hopping onto the program, man. We really enjoy you. You joining us, uh, have a great summer. Enjoy the bachelor party in Tahoe. Like I said, Hit the ground. Hit the ground running. Hit the recruiting trail. You think I'm joking. Earl Grant needs all of all your help, okay?
2: Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I definitely will. I'll, and I'll be telling them that, uh, you know, you can come play for the Clement and Izzy, I don't even remember the rest of it, Nash basketball coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate you yeah. coming on.
2: Have a good one, guys.